Today is a fun one. We've selected our top five guitar myths. We've scoured the web for listicles. These are our top five, and Carl and I will be putting on our myth-busting hats and debunking them today. Welcome back to the Pickup Music Pod with Sam and Carl. Just a quick shout out for this episode to everyone who's listening along. We appreciate your support and it's grown really nicely. Thanks everybody. Yes, so the first myth is that learning guitar requires talent. Okay, so music is innate, right? Talent is innate, you're born with it. You either have it or you don't, Sam. And when we look at musicians, we see the final product, right? You, you, when you look at John Mayer, you don't see the years and years of him practicing alone in his bedroom. Uh, you don't see Taylor, you don't see Taylor Swift, you know, sweating away, writing a song at 2 a.m. in her bedroom at, at age 13. Yeah, Tony, this is such a big myth, which holds a lot of people even picking up the guitar because it feels like it's something that you either can do or you don't. You're either born with a guitar in the crib or, you, or you're not. You're either a guitarist or you're not. Obviously, it's not true because, <laughs> Carl, are you someone who's just, you know, talented at music? Did you pick it up really easy? No, I, I, th I think certain people are more prone to maybe having a sense of pitch and things like that and maybe a sense of rhythm, but that all has to do kind of with how you're brought up, I think. So yeah, it's not really necessarily you're born with it. You know, it's, I think it's fostered. Um, and I think it's, it's fostered from your natural environment, but it's also fostered from practice and the time that you put into it. Yeah. So on one hand, I would say that to become the best in the world, you probably do need to have talent and you also need a practice. Like uh, if you want to be in the NBA, you have to be a certain type of person. You have to be talented, but you have to work really hard. The same somewhat applies to guitar, but I would say you can get to a very high level, at least intermediate, at least advanced without much talent at all. If you um, enjoy it, if you enjoy the process of learning those small steps, you don't have to be a master from day one. Yeah, getting to the level of just enjoying playing music Anybody can do that. So the second myth we have is that expensive gear is always better. And mm. in addition, also vintage gear is better. Ooh, Sam, I feel like you and I might uh, butt heads on this one a little bit. Let, let's <laughs> see. <laughs> so I, I assume like if you're listening to this, you're a guitar player. So we can all relate on the experience of going into like a vintage shop. Um, one of my favorite ones is actually in Seattle. I think it's starts, it's got green in the world. It's just walls full of beautiful guitars that I can't afford. Nashville has some great ones. Most big cities will have one. Even small cities, you know, little stores will have some really nice vintage gear. Why is this myth around, right? It's because guitars are made of wood and, you know, there's something around the mystique and the way that wood ages like a fine whiskey or a, or a bar an oak oak barrel. <laughs> and then the same thing with amps, P people will say, you know, those old beat up Fender Deluxes, you know, they just sound warmer, they just sound better than something out of Guitar Center. Yeah, and you have to get them fixed every two months. <laughs> hey, same thing for the guitar, you know. <laughs> and then the last thing um, around this myth is that expensive is better, right? So that that $5,000 Strat is going to be five times as good as the $1,000 Strat. That's the myth. Is it true, Carl? Well... <clears throat> Absolutely not, but there's there's some caveats, right? To mm. I think to almost all of these today, there's going to be a couple little caveats. Mm. I think gear, nice gear, will help you to a point. And I think Sam, you I think you have a good idea of like 
where that like what numbers would you would you toss at us for for uh you know what, what can we what's what's a what's a good number for somebody that wants to have a good solid guitar yeah it's a good question let me know if you agree with this carl so i was thinking like three three kind of levels of guitars there's like the zero to 200 dollar guitar like mm. amazon typing guitar lowest price ranked yeah, lowest to highest buy mm. that guitar i don't i've bought a few of those just for some tiktok content and they're not great <laughs> instruments so i think we can safely say under 200 dollars, it's probably not going to be good yeah yeah okay right okay so then after that it's maybe somewhere between like 200 to 700 yeah i think is probably a, you're, you're going to be totally fine but again getting it set up properly having the right gauge strings that that work for your hands, which we're going to talk about strings later, but um, yeah, somewhere from between two and seven hundred, I would say. Once you get past that point, it's kind of silly. It's you're only paying for cosmetic things um, or aesthetics, you know. At that point, guitar companies will try and sell you on like this, this, this pickup, this, um, you know, the sunburst. Yeah, I agree. Above two thousand, it's you're either a collector with with a bunch of money, or maybe you're a pro guitar player where it really does make that difference for you on the fingers. And you made a really good point there, Carl, is that that set up the strings that can increase the playability and quality of your instrument. Um, you know, much more than paying twice twice the money. Yeah, that's a good point about being a pro because it's not even about the difference in the pickups or whatever at that point. It could be totally like an aesthetic thing. Like, you know, if you're Joe Bonamassa, part of your shtick is that you play expensive guitars and people come to see you do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's all these, these, all these other considerations, of course, once you, once you get into the professional arena. And here, here's an insider thing is that all those artists with those fancy guitars, they got those guitars for free or paid for them. So the people who are actually buying the fancy guitar are the collectors or the people who do it for fun. The, blue, the blues lawyers we know you're listening shout out to the blues lawyers yeah yeah i i would say they're getting a bunch of free guitars that are under two grand you know i think i think uh they're they're probably still paying for something that's like 50 grand you know but um because a collector is a collector at that point that's but, a good point uh, the vintage ones right yeah yeah no the, one, the yeah. vintage ones yeah, yeah yeah but but totally guitar companies are are giving these away to social media people to you know famous recording artists and stuff like that because it's free promotion basically for them so next up analog is always better than digital sam what do you think yeah by analog i guess we're meaning like tube amps are better than solid state or an amp is better than a like a plug-in something like right. a Kemper or a new USB or like mm. an analog guitar effect is better than something digital. Mm. Um, yeah. So I guess I hear this one floating around that, you know, it just, it just sounds warmer. It's more organic, you know, plugins aren't as good. And if, if possible, you should always mic your amp. What are you reckon, Carl? I think this, this has been debunked as false. Um, in this day and age, plugins like neural DSP, um, there's amps such as the Fender Tone Master, which Kellen, uh, Kellen Crap, that was the teacher for our Groove Pathway, he, he brought his Tone Master in and we got a chance to really put it through its paces in the studio. And all the stuff that you hear on that pathway is all recorded through that. So it was basically recorded direct out. Everything's digital. All the spring reverb is digital. The whole amp is completely digital. Um, so I think you made a good point, though. There, there are kind of two aspects to this. It's like does analog mean everything out of the box 
or does, and does digital mean everything in the box? It's that amp is a little bit of a hybrid, you know, because I think part of the appeal of, of analog gear is that it's very tactile and that you're twisting knobs in person. And there's, there is kind of like a, a benefit to that for some people, especially if you've grown up with that your whole life. But if you haven't grown up with it, it's a pretty easy thing to just twist a knob on your, you know, through via your mouse. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, make all the little necessary tweaks that you need. Just on that amp versus plug-in, um, as a jazz guitar player, I always, and I still love having the amp in the room because there's something about the feeling of the bass and you really feel like you're playing guitar. And I really miss that when I'm using something like the Quad Cortex Neural DSP mm-hmm. in, the, in the studio. I would say though that that held me back with studio work because I was so used to that live element when you know on a on a recording the guitar is just such a small part and you're not gonna they're gonna eq out the bass in right there's a bass player there like yeah so unfortunately so um it's different different things for different situations yes i think that's a great way to put it cool so myth number four is that heavier gauge strings equals better tone so we've all heard about um, people like Stevie Ray Vaughan. I was playing pickleball with a guitar player in the, in the park. He said, yeah, man, I bought 13s because I wanted to play like Stevie and my fingers were ripped to shreds. Um, and I think we got a list here of actually some, um, the gauge strings of some iconic guitar players. There are some interesting ones here. So um, this is from jeffperinmusic.com. Stevie, 13s, Hendrix, um, 9s. That's light that was surprising to me it says also sometimes tens i guess sometimes but, even tens yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean yeah. he beat the guitar yeah for tens that's so surprising to me well i'll just rattle off a few more sure chuck berry and jimmy page had eights or nines pretty light interesting bb yep. had eights uh bb king that is had eights or tens but interesting and you know the people that you would expect with the light ones slashes Oh, 11s right in the middle there. Um, mm. Angus Young, 9s. Um, yeah. Well, well, what do you reckon, Carl? Heavier is better? This is this is not true. Um, Rhett Schull and Rick Beato have, both of them on their channels, have uh, some pretty compelling videos. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, but but they, they do some, you know, A-B tests with the same guitar, same rig, everything, with 8s, 9s, 10s and 11s. And so you can hear the difference back to back. And, um, you know, Rhett was a pretty, I think he was a, he was an avid user of, of 11s and 10s. And after that, uh, experience, he basically was like, I'm going to move to nines. And, um, and you can hear it, uh, you know, you can hear the low end especially is like not as flubby. And I think you said with the amp, like a lot of times the low end just gets cut out anyways when you're recording. So having that lower gauge strings, I'm sorry, having the heavier gauge strings will automatically cut out that low end rumble. Um, and also there it might be an argument for having some of the high end be a little bit clearer and chimier maybe as well. But of course the downside with lighter gauge strings is that uh, they're easier to go out of tune. So, you know, you have to have a little bit of a lighter touch. Um, and when you look at people like, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix, um, which of course he he could, you know, grab the crap out of the guitar, but he also could like play it very gently. Um, and yeah, I think that it's, I mean, string gauge is like something I've thought a lot about, Sam, and, <laughs> and I've been talking for already probably too long. but. Um, I recently changed to tens. I was, I was like only 11s and 
and I changed to tens because when Josh came to do the the rock pathway with us, Joshua Ragooch, Joshua Ragooch, yep. he primarily pl- plays tens, and and I was playing his guitars, and I was just like, what am I doing? What have what have I been doing? This what feels, were you on before that? Elevens. Oh, you dropped. Yeah, that. yeah, and and I think a big part of it is the size of your hands. I I have like pretty average to average to small sized hands, and I have buddies that you know play elevens. Actually, Liam Kevney, the guy that did some country stuff for us, he plays exclusively 11s on on a full scale length guitar. So a Fender Strat or a Tele or a Jazzmaster, that's 25.5 inches for the scale length. And if you have 11s on that, it's going to be like, you know. That's wild to me. It's, 11s it's on a Strat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, so there's two considerations, I think. Hand size and strength. Mm. Yep. And then also the scale length of your guitar. Mm. Um, because if you have a shorter scale guitar, then you can have heavier gauge strings. Mm. If you have a, a longer uh, scale guitar, maybe go a little lighter and that'll make it easier to play. I think in general, tens is kind of like the, for, mm. for rock and pop, like modern players, tens are kind of like the best of both worlds. Yeah, because if you go a little too light, then this, sometimes you get around issues that you said around tuning and then they'll like right. choke out a little bit if you're not set up for them. So yeah, tens is a nice spot. The only other thing I'd add was um, just the fun thing is that you can get flat wound strings, which is a jazz thing. So it's kind of like on an acoustic bass. They used to be made of gut mm. back in the day. And now they have these like uh, flat strings oh, on bass. You would have heard bass players use those, but that's actually right. a fun thing you can try on your guitar as well. It's a totally different feel, um, but it's um, yeah, just something a bit different. <laughs> All right, and our final myth. So more notes and faster notes equals a better guitar player. So, you know, Sam, what do you think? Yeah, so, you know, some people think about uh, music like a sport, right? So in sport, the faster you are, the better. First one to the to the finish line is the winner. <laughs> Guitarist with the most notes per minute is the better guitar player. And as guitar players, we all uh, dream and and embrace the guitar solo it's that pinnacle part of the song whether it's live or in the recording where the guitarist shines and you've actually talked about the golden mean in the solos how it kind of peaks two-thirds of the way through and and how do you peak usually it's higher register like so the the register up high on your neck and mm-hmm. also quantity of notes so just mm-hmm. ripping into it um so yeah true or false what do you reckon <laughs> well I, I hope it's false because if if not then I I'm technically a terrible guitar player. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a shredder. I mean you know I, I have I, I think that there's a there's yes it's false because there's so many guitar players. I mean you think of somebody like Bill Frizzell for example, um, who's kind of a jazz country neo blend of those, um, or you know uh, Adam Levy, an LA guitar player, or who who's another really like tasteful like Jim Hall maybe a jazz guitar player. They they just have a sound and a vibe. They have complete control of their instrument, but they don't they don't necessarily play a lot of notes. And in some cases, they can, um, but they just kind of choose not to. And yeah, it's uh, I think it's a taste thing. I don't know. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I would say um, there's a lot more to guitar than how many notes you play. There's 
your rhythm. Are you in time? Are you grooving? Are you feeling it? There's also tone, which you talk about a lot, Carl, in the intermediate learning pathway, which comes from touch. Tone comes from touch as well as your pedals. And touch is such a big thing for me. And the guitarists that that you love, probably their touch is off the charts. Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. off the charts. Adam Levy, off the charts. Another one yeah. I was thinking of um, is Proof. Uh, as 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 a reason to debunk this is bb king not not a lot of notes but all the notes really mattered and and one of the world's greatest guitar that's players a great ever. example yeah right so those are our five myths for today sam uh of course we couldn't choose all of them let us know if there's comments or if you send us a note send us an email let us know what are some ones that we missed are there any that you feel very passionate about and if you want a whole podcast episode with Carl talking about string gauges, then send us an email. <laughs> and if you do want to learn how to solo, you want to you want to get deeper into this instrument called guitar, I have two recommendations for you. One is our soloing learning pathway with pickup music. It'll map out your entire fretboard. There's two grades on modes. Um, and another great one is also the cage system if you're an improvising guitarist and you don't yet know the cage system um, that's one of our most popular classes taught by dr molly miller all right well thanks a lot again sam this has been a pleasure as always and thank you out there for everyone who's listening uh, this has uh, been sam and carl and we'll see you on the next one